If happiness is the goal of all goals, surely this deserves some investigation. Welcome to the Action for Happiness podcast. As always, I'm your host, Guy. Our guest today, Vanessa King, has devoted much of her life investigating this subject and going around the world, sharing what she's learned via her talks and her books. Vanessa is a board member at Action for Happiness and with the team there have gone through hundreds of research papers to not only identify the most important and recurring themes, but to put them in a way that is fun and easy to learn, including her book, The 10 Keys to Happier Living. Vanessa shares her story and how a search for personal growth led her to meet and be part of the Action for Happiness team and to help people. One of the things that causes a lot of unhappiness um, for people is um, a sense of not feeling good enough, you know, not feeling that, you know, that we're as good as other people. I've learned all this fantastic stuff which has made a difference for me. How can I share it? How can yeah. I get it out there? Action for Happiness is a movement of people committed to building a happier and more caring society. And visit the website actionforhappiness.org forward slash podcasts for more details and to access the latest audio and video episodes. So Vanessa, thank you very much for coming down to, to do the podcast finally. Yeah, I'm really excited. Um, a quote that I love, Mathieu Ricard says it, if happiness is the goal of all goals, surely this deserves some investigation. That's brilliant. I've not yeah. actually heard that before. That's fantastic. <laughs> which, you know, which um, aligns with why you're here quite, yeah. um, quite yeah. well. Yeah, yeah. Because often I, I mean, I talk about a lot of what I do is about unpacking, helping people unpack what happiness really is and what happiness yeah. really takes. So mm -hmm. which really um, fits with that quote. It's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, because... Um, the book 10 keys to um, happier to, living to happier living yeah it contains a summary almost of all the the um, the hundreds of research pa papers that you've s s sifted through and the the conversations that you've had with leading experts to really understand you know well if we were to categorize it and we and not only that but if we were to um, put it in a way that people can understand yeah. yeah, that would be the, the aim, right? Yeah, well, I mean, there's, clearly there's a lot of factors that affect how happy we feel. Not all of them are in our control. Mm. Um, and it turns out having a sense of control it, in itself is really important for happiness. So one of the things that I wanted to do with the 10 keys, and indeed, you know, the, an action for happiness, the action for happiness is to actually help people understand and explore and um, be inspired by the areas the research shows that the key areas that we can make a difference in mm -hmm. in our own lives and for other people yeah. you know most e most easily I mean it's the so that the 10 keys to happier living are the areas the research shows we can take action in that um, often lead to people feeling happier yeah. more resilient more fulfilled etc mm -hmm. so um so yeah so are there so I mean my aim is really to take uh, the science and not to leave it this useful really useful valuable information if you like sitting in an academic paper which isn't very accessible for many people right. and actually how do we drill down on that take those ideas and make them really practical mm -hmm. and easy for people and help people understand the science behind them too because i think it's really important to understand the why as well as the what yeah um you know, and some people like to do that, so others don't. They just mm. want to try stuff out. But I mean, I 
Yeah, I mean, what I've been really amazed by, and since developing those for um, before the launch of Action for Happiness, so we developed the 10 keys for, the, yeah. for Action for Happiness when it launched in 2011. Um, but since then, people, I'm constantly hearing stories of where people are seeing the 10 keys because the acronym is Great Dream. Yeah. Um, so people love them. I love saw it. this in Dubai. Did you? Yeah. Oh, wow. And I pointed out to my wife, she didn't believe me. Yeah. And so I referenced, you know, the page 126 of which um, I have a, yes, a, a short feature. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> where I give my little spiel on mindfulness yeah. and how, yeah. you know, my good friend Anne, who's usually yeah. my co-host, you yeah. know, got me into introducing me the whole John Cabot's in. Yeah. So, you yeah. know, I feel very much a part of the part of the book as well. Well, actually, from from knowing knowing what I know of you and stuff yeah. and hearing a little bit about your journey and Anne's journey, and, you know, I think you actually personify a number of the keys, really. Mm-hmm. So I think meaning, you know, not just the mindfulness, but, sure. you know, the the kind of focus on your goals. You're very clear about where mm-hmm. you want to go with this and what you think, the difference you think it can make to other people, which yeah. is giving, you know, and a, and a real sense of meaning and purpose. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, I, you know, I'm just so impressed by what you and I are yeah. doing. It's, I mean, honestly, it's really, it's really humbling and it's really, it's really lovely. And you're so creative with it as well. It's fantastic. But it's, but it has been years of thinking, this is where I want to be. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And just trying to do little steps along the way. Well, to... And also that journey evolves. Because I think sometimes people, especially, um, you know, we think about meaning and purpose and, you know, our life goals. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes we think, oh, God, I haven't got any. Or, God, I've no idea what mine yeah. are. And actually, those things, it's not, it, for some, some people are lucky. It might, you know, come mm-hmm. overnight think, yeah, that's a realisation what I want to do. For many people, it's a kind of journey. And one, you know, you just take the next stepping stone mm. each time, you know, what's what feels right right now or what have I got opportunity to do or where yeah. where is life taking me mm-hmm. and then from there where do I want to go next so, and, and things have evolved so you know we don't always have a clear path mm-hmm. but, you know lifelong path ahead of us we it's something we have to kind of discover along the way really so really cool. so we're meandering <laughs> no but it's I mean, the important point about when you talk about happiness is happiness means a lot of different things to different people. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I've been podcasting now for Action for, you know, had a wonderful relationship with Action for Happiness yeah, for many years now. Yeah, yeah. And when I enter a conversation with certain friends about happiness, you know, I like to lead with the science because quite quickly it can be, well, you don't know what happiness is for me. Yeah. Or yeah. Know, how do you know what happiness is? Is anecdotal yeah. to you know each his own. Yeah, yeah. But it's like, well, when you dig into it a bit more, and as we said at the beginning, you know, isn't it not worth some investigation? Yeah. yeah. If it be the key, that in fact there are a lot of things that you can do to proactively increase your happiness. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it's interesting because I do. I run a lot of workshops mm. um, with organisations and communities, etc. And one of the questions I often start is, well, what does happiness mean to you? Mm. And it's because I think one uh, part of unpacking happiness is really helping people think about that because we use the word very loosely. Yeah. You know, I want to be happy or mm. that makes me happy, etc. Um, you know, and if you ask most people, what do they ultimately want in their life or ultimately want for their kids? Happiness. Most people say, mm. I want to be happy. I want them to be happy. Mm. But, you know, we don't spend much time thinking about well, what does that mean? What does it take? So actually, but when you ask people... Uh, well, yeah, what happiness in the psychological literature has, you know, there's very specific, you know, meanings for certain, in certain people have different views and different questionnaires and things that they, um, how they interpret it and measure it. Mm. If there's, so it's a bit of a variety. Um, but when you ask most people, I mean, thinking practically, 
you know, what is happiness for you? What, you know, um, what does happiness mean to you? I mean, people might start off by saying, oh, you know, sunshine, you know, sunshine, you know, um, chocolate, you know, you know, fun night out, whatever, those things. But then they start to dig, dig down and they realise there's lots of different things, a sense of contentment, a sense of fulfilment, um, a sense of um, having other people that you love and love you in your life. Um, lots of different things. And I, and I think it's the ancient Greeks, like the ancient Greeks had two definitions of happiness. They had um, hedonia, where hedonism comes from, pleasure. Mm. And yes, we can have too much of that. Um, but actually, some of that, some pleasure, is, is indeed a good thing from mm. the science. We know that. But the Greeks also, ancient Greeks also talked about eudaimonia, which is a sense of fulfillment, mm -hmm. leading a good life, um, uh, a life, you know, a life truly well lived. Thriving. Thriving, yeah. yeah. And, it's, and it's quite interesting because we know if we're working towards sort of fulfillment or, or things that will, you know, ultimately lead you know, us to a sense of satisfaction... That doesn't always feel good in the moment. And sometimes it can feel really hard, like you're pushing a rock up a hill. You know, you probably found that, you know, setting up your podcast and getting those going. It's hard work. It's really hard work. So the pleasurable stuff, you need some little moments of pleasure that help you get on with work towards more fulfilling goals. So I think we need a mix of both, you know, pleasure and fulfillment in our lives. And they, they help, e they're mutually reinforcing. So... Yeah. I think I like the ancient Greek, that sort of sense of happiness, the hedonic and the eudaimonic is, for me, mm -hmm. th that is a really full definition sure. of happiness. Yeah. So what led you along this path? To come to this? Yeah, so you had a, a corporate background. Yeah, I'm an accountant. Before taking the, <laughs> you know, th this, this action for happiness what? journey. Yeah. Right, it? Where it's about going, traveling around the world either via your TED Talks or your um, the books that you're writing talking, to yeah, public speaking, yeah, public yeah, talking yeah, yeah. to share these ideas. Yeah. You know, was was there a pivotal moment in your life? or? Yeah, well, but I think it's both, a, I think, a mixture, actually. There's a sort of stepping stones on the journey and then there was a, a pivot, two, couple of pivotal moments. One is, um, well, firstly, I mean, I my first degree was psychology and biology, so I started a joint degree. Mm -hmm. So I was clearly interested in the psych psychological science and... Um, you know, interested in how what makes us tick physically and psychologically, but I kind of got way low when I left university. I went um, to train as a chartered accountant. I qualified mm -hmm. with PwC, um, yeah. and it, that kind of seemed like a sensible thing at the time. It was a good, you know, a good graduate mm -hmm. job, a good employer, you know, good foundation. Um, and I kind of got through it. I passed my exams. You know, a bit of. Enjoying it blood along the way? No, not really. <laughs> a lot of blood, sweat and tears. Well, mm -hmm. not too much blood, quite a few tears. Um, quite a lot of sweat. And, I, you know, I made good friends and I enjoyed being part of those companies, but it really wasn't something that, if you like, made my heart sing. It wasn't uh, my natural um, state of being. In fact, when I left um, uh, one of my accounting jobs and um, the, the senior partner said to me, he said, I was moving to another firm of accountants to do a different type of accounting. He said, you know, I wish you luck, but um, Vanessa, he said, I hope you're making the right decision. I can't help you think you'd be much happier though in the BBC. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I think he probably saw something in me that I didn't yeah. see in myself. But it was very up in my head, very yeah. cognitive. Mm -hmm. um, uh, but, you know, wasn't really tuning into kind of my heart or my strengths or whatever. So anyway, so I went on this journey, but I ended up, um, I realised that my, 
I was much more interested in the people side of things than the numbers side of things. Yeah. So I moved to a job in human resources. Yeah. Um, and I so managed the bonus pool in an investment bank for a while. And um, then I was a client of a consultancy, uh, a big sort of HR consultancy, global HR consultancy. And they offered me a job working with them. And I started off looking at sort of motivation factors like pay, but gradually moved into the more developmental stuff mm. and looking, looking at what is talent, of identifying talent, developing talent. And, and I, I, you know, I liked that, but that was more in my sort of space. But I was at a conference one day, a, leadership, a World Congress of HR on leadership development. It's about 10 years ago. And somebody was talking about the science of strengths and why don't we focus on, de in organisations, developing strengths, not, not sort of limiting weaknesses and trying to develop weaknesses. And it was like a light bulb went mm. off. I thought that, has, I mean, it was very much oriented to my way of thinking. And actually, I developed some projects that were had that kind of ethos in them before, before even knowing about it. But this was like, oh, my God, you can, you know, there's a whole science here. You can go and learn about it. And so I came home, Googled, and found that you know, Martin Seligman at the University of Pennsylvania had catalyzed this shift in psychological research, or this expansion of psychological research into from not just focusing on what goes wrong and how to cure that, but actually how you, what, why do things go right and how do we share and spread that to enable people to flourish. I thought, God, that's amazing. So I found that you could go and study it. Um, you could do a master's degree with him thought I'm going to apply so literally I mean I got the forms within a matter of a couple of weeks I'd applied you yeah. know which is quite an involved process because you'd get references and transcripts from your previous universities and things like that um and um so I went I got in and I was amazed and got in I was very nervous so I moved from the UK to the US I, I commuted because it's taught on an executive basis so I commuted for the first semester moved there for the second semester okay. yeah so um yeah, it was amazing. My friends that that I still, you know, still have from accounting days, who mm -hmm. thought I was slightly odd moving from accounting to HR, thought I was completely nuts yeah. going to study mm -hmm. sort of happiness, or, you know, mm -hmm. in in the US. But actually, it was it, it, an amazing year. Mm -hmm. You know, it had it had its ups and downs. Very intense. Mm -hmm. um, people commuted in, came in from all around the world, from Australia, New Zealand. Um, across the states, you know, um, all over to, to do this program. Um, and then, you know, and there's a, quite a network amongst of the different years um, that the program's been running. And, but it was fantastic. So that was my kind of immersion into the topic. And because it's, because Marty, Selig, it's his program, mm. and he's so influential, it meant that we had the great and the good of the field will come in and teach us. So we get a day with Barbara Fredrickson or a day with Chris Peterson and, you know, amazing people coming in. You know, it's just such luxury. A small number of you spending this day really in depth with these amazing, um, amazing minds. Mm. You know, it was, it was fantastic. Um, and then, then I was... Um, when I, I just handed in my dissertation on, for the Masters... And three days later, I was on a plane to Beijing because <laughs> one of my classmates was Chinese and was set, running the first positive psychology conference in China. Mm. And I uh, found myself... The first? The yeah. first positive psychology mm. conference in China. Um, yeah, it was... You, they, they'd not before. In fact, there was... The two first positive psychology conferences in China were in the... 
this in a, a two weeks apart. <laughs> one was they ended up one focused general and one focused on um, education. Um, but anyway, I got upgraded from the back of the plane to the to business class. Was really mm. lucky. Um, and this is sometimes this is really funny how the universe kind of you know seems to work in your favour. I'm not I'm not given to all that kind of stuff, mm. but sometimes. And I found myself sitting next to Anthony Seldon, um, Sir oh, Anthony wow. Seldon, yeah. um, who I knew knew Marty Seligman and thought Anthony would be going out to the Positive Psychology Conference, but mm. he, he wasn't. Um, but I introduced my I introduced myself to him as we were getting off and said, you know, I know, you know, Marty, you're going to the conference, blah, blah, blah. And he said, well, I'm not. And then we started chatting. He said, how are you getting to your hotel? I said, well, taxi. He said, well, I've got a driver waiting for me to what we, mm. we can drop you off so we it was so kind mm-hmm. and we had a you know long chat and I said well I've got now you know immersed myself for taking this sabbatical yeah. so you know big scary leap in a way um and immersed myself in this I now you know built up sort of pe- people in the field in the US and elsewhere but don't really know what's happening in the UK because at that time there was probably only I'm probably the third person I think to have done the program. Mm. Um, nice. Yeah, mm-hmm. amazing. Um, and it, you know, now the words positive psychology, happiness, something. I mean, uh, um, well-being is there's a m- and resilience. There's a much greater focus on those things now than there mm. was sort of nine nine years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, um, Anthony said, "Oh, we've just founded Richard Layard and I and um, Jeff Morgan." Have from the young who was at the Young Foundation have just founded a new social movement, Action for Happiness, and we've literally just hired a director. You must go and meet him. Yeah, um, and that's Mark, Mark Williamson. Yeah. Uh, so a few weeks later, I found myself meeting Mark, and yeah. Mark had come into the job from the Carbon Trust. Fantastic um, mind, fantastic sort of strategy, organisational person, but didn't have a psychological background. Yeah. So, and I offered to help out. How can I help? He said, Well, if you could help us think about you know, what psychology we put on the website, what actions, you know, we're all about taking action for happiness, but what actions we actually tell people to do. So that's how I got involved in my sabbatical, um, which was, had been a year to do the masters was extended by six months. So Mm -hmm. again, a big, a big investment because, you know, I, I wasn't working and, you know, I, um, you know, I'm not from a, I'm not from a wealthy background. Mm. So, you know, it was an investment. It just seemed that it was, you know, amazing to be part of something at the start where it was t- I could use the stuff that I'd yeah. just been learning and immersed in so directly and get it out there so people and connect with people that are interested and wanting to take this stuff further. So it was a you know amazing opportunity and really exciting. Yeah, so, luck when opportunity meets preparation, right? Well, it was. Like I mean, that. but it really was. It felt really. I mean, there were some other kind of other things that happened along my journey that that kind of you know just think, what well, that is really spooky. You know, that it just feels sometimes you are in the right place at the right time. And it is about, like you say, preparation. So I was alert to opportunities. I really was passionate about, Mm -hmm. I've just, I've learned all this fantastic stuff, which has made a difference for me. Mm -hmm. How can I share it? How can I get it out there? And so it was just amazing, totally fortuitous that got involved in Action of Happiness. And that's how I developed the 10 keys, because it was, right, how do we, yeah. Kind of put the and it, you know, just playing around with acronyms because acronyms really help people remember. Yeah. They help get the message out. And so I came up with the ten keys and the acronym. Mm-hmm. Great dream. You're listening to the Action for Happiness podcast. On today's episode, we speak with Vanessa King, an expert on positive psychology 
the author of 10 Keys to Happier Living and a board member here at Action for Happiness. The first kind of the great piece speaks more about the self, right? Whereas the, the latter half speaks about, you know, with others and meaning in life, right? So it's more of a... Oh, I, yeah, I tend to, sort of, I tend to, I mean, this is a broad rule of thumb. I say that the first five keys, the great, mm. so giving, relating, um, exercise together, body awareness and trying things out, um, are things that kind of loosely, things that are a sort of externally kind of activities yeah. that um, affect how we feel on the inside. And the, sec- the, the dream piece, the direction, resilience, um, emotions, um, uh, uh, accept- acceptance, which is self-acceptance and meaning, are more kind of internal states mm-hmm. of being that affect how we are and what we do on the mm-hmm. outside. So I tend to think about it as an inside out, outside in, right. well, just to help people explain it. And the first five, the first five, we also wanted to align with the um, five ways to well-being that had been developed by New Economics Foundation in 2008 on the back of a um, government, big government project on mental capital for the 21st century. And they were asked to come up with five a day, the equivalent of five, you know, five a day fruit and veg, yeah. the five a day for our minds. So yeah. that's, so the first, I mean, we tweaked them a bit because the research had moved on. But um, so the great, to align with those five ways so mm. so we're standing on a kind of good foundation yeah um and then we added um the other things because you know i know for example from my own experience and from you know um, research and observations i know that one of the things that causes a lot of unhappiness um for people is um a sense of not feeling good enough you know not feeling that you know that we're as good as other people which which for us comes under the self-acceptance the acceptance mm-hmm. key and you know that's that's such a powerful thing like it can be so destructive for people i think it's really important to have that in there having a sense of meaning and purpose is also um and um really important so you know, wanted to include some of those factors as well yeah so yeah. and then this did this tie in with the t- this came after the ted talk right um and yeah but i mean a lot of what it uh, yeah. what comes out of this, both in the TED Talk and this book, is you know just a summary of the best bits that you've taken from life, right? from and from the research, yeah, from yeah, but from your own experience as well, yeah. from the different courses that you, yeah, 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 the university studies, yeah, and the research, yeah, yeah, combination of of inter, um, yeah. So, so that the, how did the TED Talk thing come about? Well, I've gone, I've done two TED Talks, yeah. so um, I was really lucky. Um, the first one was at University of Southampton. Mm-hmm. And I think people have just, because people like the 10 keys and they like, people are curious about happiness and they like the acronym, the great dream. So I, I just got approached for the first um, TED, TEDx talk. Um, yeah. And so did that. It's very, it's, it's really challenging because um, you only have, you have a maximum of 18 minutes. Mm-hmm. And you've got a, you know, there was an audience, I think, of about 100 people. But yeah. you, you it, so it's a kind of weird thing. You're doing it for the audience, you're doing it for the video, Whoa. towards the video. So it's a kind yeah. of weird thing. And mm-hmm. um, unlike TED Global events, you don't get any coaching or any support. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there wasn't even a book on, the Chris Anderson's book wasn't even out on how to do a TED talk. Yeah. Um, so it was kind of like, oh my God, it was so hard. Yeah. Um, and also, when I work with, I do a lot of workshops, a lot of public speaking, but I like to do stuff that's really interactive, so you yeah. get a bit of audience repartee. Mm-hmm. In an, you know, in sort of 
15 to 18 minutes um, in that sort of scenario, it's really hard to do that. Yeah. So it's very... It's, it's going to be very one directional. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I think I could do, could have done a bit more, but um, interactive stuff. But it was, but yeah, it was, mm. it was. So it was a very different experience. And you know, yeah. I'd never done anything like that before, and that that's short as well. Because you literally have to give your every word you say is literally your best bits, right? Because yeah, yeah. Every point you make, everything you say, it like literally, it has to be, you're, you're presenting your best bits and everything that yeah, you say. Yeah, and it's yeah. almost like you've kind of got this script in your head because you haven't got anything in front of you. <laughs> yeah. So it's quite weird. I mean, I think I did the better on the second one because then I got asked to do one in Guernsey, mm-hmm. um, which was really nice. So mm. the first, I think the first TED Talk was on... Um, five questions about happiness and then yeah. the second one was on the 10 keys and yeah. um, that was just before I think just before the book came out yeah so yeah so they were I mean great experiences really great experiences and mm-hmm. I'd really want to if anyone's listening I want to do a third one so I can kind of really get it crack yeah. you know really get it right <laughs> well the latest one that you know, I attended the launch last week in Piccadilly. Yeah. I came yeah. down with Youngie. Yeah, I was so pleased you bought him. It, it was, was Prosecco so nice. for me and uh, snacks and chips yeah, for, uh, for Youngie. <laughs> we but should have yeah. had little bottles of milk, shouldn't we? <laughs> but the, uh, the, the, fifth, the 50 ways to feel happy. So this is aimed more at a younger audience, right? Yeah, it's aimed, it's aimed at, roughly speaking, kids of age 7 to 11. So, mm-hmm. But some I know I've been speaking this morning to someone who's been using some of the ideas with her four-year-old son yeah. um and another woman who was um wrote i think wrote a review for the book on amazon and said mm. that she showed it to her 13 year old son who was a bit you know a bit cool you know yeah. but then he said oh i can see they've got some of my ideas in there so, <laughs> <laughs> so it's really so, so i've been amazed by the reaction um yeah. to it. um uh, it's people have, it's been so well received in fact it's sold out on Amazon UK mm-hmm. um, it's coming back in stock but it's um, the hard, there's a hard copy version but a hard cover version but yeah, um, yeah but that's almost like amazing but mm-hmm. I think it's people people are really hungry for that and it's kind of nice because parents are, both parents and teachers seem to be really engaged by it um, yeah. and I think it's nice because there's stuff that they can learn some stuff for themselves and also they you know there is, there's lots of ideas to do um, and together, I've just had a friend staying who teaches in France, yeah. teaches at a French school. She was just staying with me yesterday, and she's taken home a copy because she wants to translate some of the activities into French to use with some of her mm-hmm. students. So, yeah. um, um, which is really nice. Uh, yeah, so it's been it's a, it's 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 great. So, I mean, now we're going. Everybody's asking us, well, what are you doing for the old, your older kids or younger kids? So mm-hmm. that's we're thinking about that yeah. now because those. Um, um, I wanted because you know I'm sort of an expert in the psychology, but um, I wanted to make sure we had some expertise for people that have you know a background of working with kids. So I asked Val Payne, who's a former teacher, and Peter Harper, who's uh, uh, ran clinical um, psychology services um, mm-hmm. in in um, in a region in the UK, and he. Um, so they kind of helped and um, contribute to some of the ideas for the activities and just making sure that it was appropriate as right. well. Some of the activities and things were appropriate yeah. for that age group and safeguarding issues and things that we need to, to care about. So it was a nice um, you know, combined effort because those are important. It's a, diff- it's a different things you have to take into account when you're doing stuff for children as mm-hmm. opposed to for sure. adults. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and actually I have to say one thing is um, that the illustrator, which who Celeste Ayres, who came through the... 
um, publisher, yeah. Quarto, she's just done the most amazing job because mm. it's so colourful and fun and, yeah. you know, you know, funny little characters that, you know, are, are, are really creative. So I, I'm very visual, so I really like that. Yeah. yeah. You spoke about, you know, leaving footprints and, um, you know, <laughs> if you were to look back and, you know, and maybe for future generations, if you were to um, describe or in your mind envision what the the footprints you're leaving behind, what Ooh. would you, what Ooh. would you, um, yeah, how would you describe it from from where you are now? From from what I've left behind already, or what I want to leave behind? Yeah, I think maybe like leaving behind. That, that, that yeah. Never, well, I, I mean, well, I, what are you working to? What would you like to? Well, to well, be your too, I mean, it's all it's it's, it's interesting because it's uh, I, mean, I often think. It's an emergence. So I, I mean, I'm, I'm really, really interested in the ideas behind the science. I'm really interested in sharing those ideas with people. Yeah. Not, and I'm really emphatic about this. Not as a prescription. Mm-hmm. Like, the tankies are not a prescription. They are a menu. Yeah. You know, um, and I want. I really hope that um, it both catalyzes action. People take action. It inspires action, and people get creative with these things. Mm-hmm. You know, how can you? What are the ways that, you know, the first key is about giving. What are the different ways I can give to other people in my life? You mm. know, it doesn't mean to be big fancy things. It could be tiny things like, you know, checking in on your elderly neighbor or yeah. smiling at, you know, the guy in the paper shop. You know, whatever it is. Um, you know, just thinking about being being creative with these things. So, and I'm, I'm very interested. My dissertation, in fact, was around the intersection between creative thinking and um, well-being. Mm. Um, so I'm very interested in how do we develop that and i don't mean artistic skill because i think artistic skill is a route to expression it, it gives you the skills and tools to express creatively but they're not you know creative you know we can be creative in a whole host of different ways this mm. is a creative mm-hmm. thing that you've got here with all the kind of equipment and stuff is a very creative yeah. thing you know so i'm interested in that i'm very interested because i do a lot my background is working with organizations so i do a lot of training and development with leaders and managers in organizations yeah. so and i think that's really important because i think workplaces can be a real force for good but they can also be terribly damaging and destructive well, we spend most of our lives right? a lot of our lives mm. and there are a lot of our social contact comes but we don't you know we still have an idea that people we expect kind of people to be cogs at work and the mm. emotional side is left behind it, you know, we have to leave that behind and we have to yes we have to manage ourselves in a social in any social context of which work is one but this you know the I mean, research, uh, Jane Dutton's research, for example, at University of Michigan has shown interactions in organizations as, as little as six seconds yeah. can make a difference to individual well-being, team performance, and organizational performance, mm-hmm. and organizational bottom line, yeah. you know, business performance. So you know, those tiny few seconds, the way we are with other people, really make a difference. So, mm-hmm. so I'm, ver- I'm, very, and I'm very interested in... So I think there's... A level of in organized my organizational work is is building people's skills in and understanding you know psych, psychological knowledge really mm-hmm. in these areas and a lot of it is um, comes from the psychology of motivation that links the psychology of well being um, but how do we you know how do we really embed that in mm-hmm. what we do at work for ourselves and as we lead in other people lead other people and then I think there's a next level up. Is if we were to redesign organization, design organizations now from scratch, 
based on these psychological principles, what we now know enables people to feel good and function at their best. How would we design them? They probably wouldn't look like the structures we have today Mm. or the processes we have today. So how can we creatively apply these principles to the sort of design of institutions, organisations, even schools? Um, You know, so I mean that's I'd like to, I'd really like to take this stuff up upstream to really change that those kind of structural things as well as the behavioural things. So so there's so there's an like you know and I like to I'm I love to learn. So mm. I mean I think also the future is just kind of keep learning and sharing those ideas. It's, yeah. Um, so I don't know. Does that answer your question? I've it. It does, and yeah. um, you know the um, the partnership with Action for Happiness is a is a great you know, platform in which for you to, um, like you said, take these ideas and help share them up? Yeah, well, I mean, we don't really promote our work with organisations, but we've done quite a lot, actually. Um, you know, it comes, that people approach us, which mm-hmm. is very lucky, and we shape projects with our clients. And that then, the income from those actually supports a lot of our community work and it's actually really helped mm-hmm. Um, action for happiness grow and develop and mm. and and you know us be able to kind of fund the community courses and things that we're mm. um we're that are now really growing the exploring yeah. what matters course that are kind of really starting to grow in the uk and internationally yeah so so i, so I, I see the corporate work actually uh, you know and work somewhere with schools and things like that as actually really an important kind of um source of sustainability for yeah. action for happiness yeah so if they want to find out about about you i know that if you go to the action for happiness org website you know there's a bit of information about you there but where yeah. else can they go if they wanted to uh, well, there's buy like, your books and help support yeah yeah well the books um you know the book the action for happiness whoops the um adult book so i mean what uh, the other one thing i would say on these like to say because that's for kids the 50 ways to feel happy it's yep. based on the 10 keys it's, it's, so there's, there's a 40 chapter. more in there than <laughs> <here>. <laughs> no there's loads in here there's loads in here that fact there's kidding. more yes, than 50 yes, in here yes. but it's structured around the 10 keys so mm. what's great is if teachers or parents want to find out more dig deeper mm. um they want this for their kids but they want to find out more then yeah. they this is really complimentary the built on the same foundation mm-hmm. and also we know that um adult well-being teacher well-being parent well-being yeah. has a big impact a knock-on impact um just by the way the parent or the teacher is with the student mm-hmm. has an impact on those children's well-being not yeah. so not it's not just about what you're doing with them it's just how you are mm-hmm. so your well-being matters yes. um as an adult so i you know i can that so i mean this is this was my this took such a lot of work because <laughs> it's yeah. based on thousands of studies yeah. and I'm very proud of it. Um, and I've heard lots of people talk, I remember yeah. lovely feedback from people, how it's helped people change their lives, which is very humbling and wonderful. So, I mean, I'd say those two books are great. There's loads on the website. Um, there's the two TEDx talks, there's other videos online. Mm-hmm. Um, I need to update my, um, my, um, own um, personal website and my CV <laughs> that's on, on the it, actual yeah. I am there's a, a bio on the actual Happiness website if you can yes. you can dig deep and um, yeah and I think I mean we often run we've got a course based on the ten keys so we've got the exploring what matters course which is a discursive course but we developed uh, a course with Kingston Royal Borough of Kingston um, on based on the ten keys that has been delivered 
in um in uh, through we train trainers so um people in kingston have been busy teaching adults the 10 keys course it's a six session course um and it's um, been really popular okay. throughout our education. Um, so that's great. And we've just trained and some training with the police forces in Devon and Exeter around those things, uh, around a short sort of um, practical ideas for happy living. It's a short course. We've tra- Again, we train trainers in. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've even done some work with people like Microsoft and um, other big companies, BT, etc. So there's lots of different ways people can um, connect connect with us and obviously mm-hmm. action for happiness is a fantastic social media presence so if people are wanting inspiration then i'd say make sure you sign up as a member and follow action for happiness on fa- facebook um because then you get fantastic newsletters you get lots of inspiration you get the quotes. podcast you well. get the podcast it's amazing <laughs> find out about the course so find out about yeah. the course the upcoming speakers courses. yeah, yeah. Up so we have fantastic yeah. yeah they're only um they're mostly in london just simply because that's where the volume of people are and all our speakers... Was um, it you that invited um, Martin Seligman when he came over? Was that... I mean, I think it's a combined effort through Richard. Yeah. I mean, Richard, because Richard, the Action Founders was founded by Richard, Professor Lord, Lord Richard Layard, Layard. Yeah. he's very influential mm-hmm. in the, you know, the economics of happiness and measurement, uh, societal measurement of happiness. So he um, has lots of contacts. So, you know, when we hear of people who are coming over, like John Kabat-Zinn, like yeah. Marty Seligman, like Matthew Rickard, um, Daniel Goldman you know, a whole host of names. Mm. Um, we invite them to come and speak for us. I mean, they, they very kindly do it for free mm. um, because it's a way, again, it's a way, um, the, the, the donations from, um, for those events, because we ask people, we suggest a, a, a ticket pr- a price, mm. but we don't, it's a donation. So if you, we want to make these ideas accessible to everyone. So but not only that, but then the videos that then follow. Yeah, the videos right, follow up. So we have videos. a bit more longer lasting and a yeah, bigger reach. So every yeah. event, every event is videoed. It's on YouTube. Yep. Um, you know, they're not. You know, we, you know, we don't have a budget to make them really super mm-hmm. fancy, but they're there, and we're trying to actually send uh, do them on Facebook Live as well to the extent that we can, mm-hmm. so that it's not just London based. You can access them from sure. wherever you are in the world. Yes. So. And so it's just a great source of ideas, you know, different, you know, and it's such a range that not everything, not everybody's interested in every topic, but, you know, there's, there is literally something for everyone. So yeah. whether you're into mindfulness, whether you're into the impact of food on your well-being, whether you're impacted on how to be kind, whether you're impacted on health, health yeah. organizational stuff, you know, um, yeah, there's a whole range of things there. So it's a right. really rich resource. Yeah. Alright, well lovely to finally yeah. have you come down into the it's studio. So, I'm and, so you know, pleased to be we'll here. We'll touch base again soon and we'll do another one. Yeah, that would be fantastic. I'd love it. Yeah, All right, I'd perfect. love it. Brilliant. And remember, if you'd like to help create a kinder and happier world, please get involved with Action for Happiness. You can join thousands of others who are spreading a bit more happiness in their homes, workplaces, schools and local communities. Don't forget to subscribe, like and follow to keep up to date with all our content. Find out more at actionforhappiness.org. Join the movement, be the change.